0: That matter, all of our support team, those that help and serve around here we couldn 't do it without them, and uh, we can 't do it without you and so I know it 's real easy to come to church and say, "Wow, man, things are taken care of, things look good, things smell good, our kids are happy, our kids are learning." But listen, you have a part to play in that, right? And so uh, we just encourage you, find somewhere to put your hand to the plow and just get involved in church to realize that church growth is all in part just being a part of the body of Christ, but also being active in what God's wanting to do because we are His extension of His hands and serving people, right? And I know we've heard it before. Well, you know, you come to church and they just want you to do something. Well, we're not wanting you to do something for the sake of doing something. We want you to grow in your relationship with God. And when you're committed to something, obviously you make an investment in those kind of things, right? I mean, my wife, she loves me and she, she makes an investment in me. She does. She does. I mean, uh, of all the times that she takes care of our kids, she loves her kids, so she makes the investment in the kids. Uh, you know, she's up late, she's um, doing the homework, she's making dinner, she's giving baths, I'm watching TV, and then she's cleaning the house. And I'll, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know what I'm talking about, guys. You know, we're, we tend to stand back and watch a lot. But what's my point? She makes an extreme investment investment in the life of her kids because she's committed to them. She doesn't step back and say, well, somebody else will do it. Hey, Grandma and Grandpa, you want to give the kids a bath? They stink right now. No, she does it because she loves them. And so I just said that for the sake of, hey, you've got a part to play. Just find what God would like you to do and just put your hand to something. Can you say amen? That was a good time to get excited. Praise the Lord. Well, hey, we've been uh, talking in the last three weeks. We started a new series called 2018, A Year of Power and uh, i'm excited what this this year looks like because we've made some investments over the last several years we've made an investment in last year and whenever you purpose to make an investment there's always dividends and rewards that come back right how many of you plant gardens anybody Got green thumbs, plant gardens. Uh, I know we got one guy. Where's he at? Uh, there in the back. He he plants tomatoes, and they make salsa every year. Uh, he's gotten stingy with the salsa. He used to hook me up every year, <laughs> but man, they make some awesome salsa. But every year they make the investment to plant tomatoes and peppers and onions. And what's, what's the result of it? The fruit of their labors. And so I just believe that 2018 is going to be a year that we're going to see fruit from our labors that expounds and multiplies. I believe that we're going to see new people, new faces, new families, new children, new areas of ministry, seeing new things that God is doing simply because God's faithful and he's rewarding us, he's rewarding you for just all of the investments that you've made. And so many times we just kind of sit back and say, well, you know, you just do it because you got to do it. But God sees your heart and heal, bless and reward. Amen. Well, we've been seeing this, as I said, in the last couple of weeks, our new series that we've been sharing is that we're purposing to make room. And it's been encouraging to me as a pastor because I've seen several of you, like on Facebook, making little statements, you know, making room, making room for God in 2018. And different ones have come and said to me, you know, just purposing to make room or ones have been sharing just what God's been doing in this, just the last couple weeks of 2018. And so what we're doing is making room for God and God is showing up. We said if we'll make make room for God, we make room for the power of God. And many times people say, well, what do you mean making room for the power of God? What is the power of God? Well, really, the power of God is, is simply God's character, God's personality, his attributes, his love. The Bible says that love never fails. How many of you know if you get love involved in your life, your life can't fail? If you'll get love involved in your marriage, your marriage can't fail. You get love involved in the life of your children, your children can't fail. Because you're making an investment in inviting and making room for God himself. And so if you remember also we said this in Revelation chapter 3. We shared this last week. It says, Behold, I stand at the door. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I stand at the door of the church and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and restore him and he with me. I find that interesting because as you begin to read that, it really kind of challenges your thinking a little bit because he says, I'm standing at the door knocking at the church. Well, if he's knocking on the door of the church, that means he must be on the outside. And he says, I'm waiting to be invited to come in. Well, so if we're the church, that means that we've already invited Christ into our life. We're already Christians. We're children of God. But somehow we've made room in our life for other things that displace Jesus in our lives and therefore he's standing on the outside looking in. Right? He's saying, I'm knocking on the door continually and if you'll let me in, I'll come in and I'll restore your life. I'll restore everything that you lost, the lost time, the lost blessings. Whatever. I want to restore you back to the way that I originally planned it for you to experience. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on you? Come on, i got to be honest with you. There's times in my life, I'm, I'm a pastor. This is what I do for a living. But there's times that you can get real busy about the work of God and forget about the God of the work. And therefore, what you end up doing is you make room for other things that ends up pushing Jesus aside. And he says, I'm standing and I'm knocking. Man, I'm so glad that he continues to knock. that he keeps on saying, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Then he might just kind of sit back for a little bit, stop bothering you. But then all of a sudden, something starts stirring in your heart. You hear that song on the radio. You come into church and God starts to tickle your, your heart a little bit. And he sees that you begin to soften. And maybe the tear wells up on your eye and he starts knocking again. Will you let me in? Will you let me come in? And will you let me restore your life. How many of you want to be restored this year? Well, you know when I read that scripture and I get to that word that says restore, immediately my mind went to this picture of when you lose power. And when you lose power, you're waiting for power to be restored. <laughs> Has anybody ever been in that position? Oh dear God! The power goes off, and now my house, because I live out in the country, uh, it, it affects me a little bit differently. Because I've got a sub pump, and therefore, if the power's out for too long, my basement can flood. Right? If your power's out for too long, then you lose heat and you lose water and all those other things, and you're just waiting for the power to be restored, so that the the the, the livelihood of your house gets back to normal. You know what I'm talking about? And so when you think about just that picture of your house needing to be restored, like I said, it can affect the entire house. Not only just the house itself, but everybody that's on the inside. When there's a lack of power, the people, the family in the house are affected. And many times the reason that there is a power outage is because there's been a storm. There's a storm that's come through That's shaking things up a little bit. And because it's shaking things up, this storm knocked out the power. And we're starting to feel all the ripple effects of the storm that came through. Has anybody had storms in your life that just kind of knocked you around a little bit? And you felt like, where where are you at, God? Where's the power? I remember where I was. I remember how I felt. I remember the relationship that I had. But God, I've been shaken to my core. I've been shaken in my faith. God, where are you? And storms have a way of shaking us to the point where we experience power outages. As I said, it has an opportunity of really leaving us in a position of desperation. Desperation leaving us in a position of isolation and even allowing fear to creep up. In our nation, just over the last couple of months, we've experienced some things out on the coast of California. And as a result, there's been an extreme drought over the last, well, years, really, for that matter. But they had extreme drought, and then the wildfires came through and burned up thousands of acres Just a matter of a few weeks ago, and then what, what, was it two weeks ago, maybe just a little over a week ago, the rains came, and as a result of the rains coming, there was a tremendous mudslide that came through. Once again, the mudslide came through, and it left people without power. It left people in desolation. It left people isolated. It left people in fear, wondering, where is my family? There are those that lost their lives because of the mudslide that came through. Right? You remember, uh, if you watch the news, there were those that they were digging out of the rubble. There was one that was, a, I think, a 14-year-old girl. She was in the rubble. They pulled her out. They found her. She's covered with mud. But thank God they were able to restore the family. Well, why did that take place in the, in the first place? Because concerning the land, there was a drought When there's a drought, the vegetation has very shallow roots. And then, when the test and the trial comes, it burns everything up on the surface. But now there's no vegetation left, and there was nothing rooted in the soil. Now when the storm comes, there's nothing to hold the soil together. What happens? Mudslide happens. And it brings desolation. Isn't that a picture of oftentimes where we find ourselves in life? In life, we, we find ourselves getting beat up. We find ourselves making room for other things. And as a result, my relationship with God and the roots of my relationship with Him become shallow. And things come along the way that begins to rock me and shake me. And then when the storms of life come, it produces mudslide. How many of you know when the mud starts sliding, it don't stop? And when it starts sliding, it takes out whatever's in its path. And if you get close to the slippery slope, you slide in. But Jesus said, I'm knocking at the door. I'm wanting to restore you back to a place of having power. Simply make room. Isn't it interesting that when there's storms that come through that begin to shake us and rock us, that there comes extreme clarity. I said there comes extreme clarity. We get so busy with life and all those other things that we make room for, but then when things come, push comes to shove, and the mudslide comes and begins to create havoc within our life, all of a sudden there's extreme focus. This is what really matters. It's about family. Is my family okay? Is my family restored i just want to restore my family and make sure that everybody's okay and that first restoration was everything about god's heart he sent jesus to be the answer to the storms of life that separation from god and he said if you'll make room for me and extend that invitation and receive the invitation of my love towards you i will restore you to the family Right? But I want to ask you a question. If you've made that decision, responded to the invitation of God's love and says, I want to restore you into the family, I want you just to think for a minute. Why did you make that decision? Why did you ask God to forgive you? Why did you invite Jesus into your life? Why did you say, I want to find restoration into the family of God? Was it a matter of fear? Did you hear a message or something of that nature? Where you said, man, I don't want to go to hell. I I don't want to spend eternity away from God. I want to go to heaven. And so from a position of fear, you said, Jesus, come on, come into my life. Or maybe you was in a position where life was upside down and there was great desperation. And out of desperation, you said, okay, God, I surrender. Or was it... Something of just sensing the pull of God on your heart and saying, God, I know that I'm lost without you and I just want to know you. What was the reason that you invited God into your life? What was that reason? In 1 Peter chapter 5, or chapter 1 rather, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 5, it says, who are being protected, speaking of us, the church, who are being protected and shielded by the power of God. Everybody say power of God. We're being protected and shielded by the power of God through your faith salvation that is ready to be revealed for you in the last time. In this you rejoice greatly, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you will be distressed by various trials. What's that say? It says you receive salvation. As a result of receiving salvation, there is a power for life. That power for life is going to sustain you and help you and protect you when the trials come. Why? Because there's a power available. It's the power of God that upon receiving salvation, he makes it available for us to restore us in the times of trouble. And as a believer, remember, Jesus said, I'm standing at the door of the church and I'm knocking. Well, how did he get out there? Storms, trials, stuff that we've made room for pushed him out. But he says, there is a power that will sustain you through the trials. And I'll let you know that I'm still there. I've got your back. If you'll simply make room for me. If you'll allow me to come in. And be a blessing in your life. As I said, making the the reference toward being restored and thinking of a power outage. I don't know if you've ever experienced this way. I've had this happen on a number of occasions where the power goes out and you're thinking, wow, how long is it going to be before it's restored? And you start looking out the windows of your house into the neighborhood and you look across the street. And you see the houses across the street, they all got lights on. (laughs) There's smoke coming out the top of the chimney there. They got heat. And just right across the street, they've got power. But I'm on my side of the road, and we're without power. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been there? And isn't that what the devil does? He comes and he says, hey, look at their life. They've got heat. They've got comfort. They've got power. But look at you. Nothing. (laughs) Right? Isn't that what he likes to do? The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. But what ends up happening, and we're we're making these analogies and, and putting them in a spiritual context, if you will, but if you think about it, when your power's out, what ends up happening? Well, first of all, you lose light, right? What ends up happening when we start or stop making room for God? The light starts to weaken. The understanding, the wisdom, the revelation that we had of Jesus, the clarity that we had of Him, the, the, the desire we had to, to have we had to know Him, begins to dim and, uh, become dim and become darker in our life, because it's become, becoming overshadowed by other things. We try to get the candle out, get the little lighter, get the little flashlight, and there's some light there. But it's not the light that you're really looking for. It's just a counterfeit light, if you will, to get you through the hump. I'm telling you what, the enemy will give you something to try to get you through the hump, try to get you through the ordeal, try to make you feel better. But what you truly long for is the light. And if you'll make room for God's light, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. It doesn't matter the trial because there's power in the light of God's word. Amen. When you find yourself without power, another thing that ends up happening is that you begin to lose or you begin to have a lack of productivity. Again, because I'm out in the country, I don't have one of those generator things that just naturally kicks on. It's, it's just me and the elements. And so, because I'm out in the country and I have a sub-pump, I can't afford for my basement to flood. What ends up happening? I become hostage to my house. And therefore, I can't be productive. I'm stuck in a rut where the house is. Why? Because I've lost the opportunity to make room for the power of God in my life. Right? Another thing that begins to happen, that if the power's out for too long, the thing that I fed on... The things that nourished me, the the refrigerator, it starts to thaw out. It starts to go bad. And now either I pig out and eat everything in the the refrigerator so it don't go bad or it just goes bad and I don't get to eat it anymore, right? When I stop making room for God, I'll stop feeding on the right things. I'll stop feeding on the Word of God. I'll stop feeding in a place that begins to... Build up my faith. And once again, if you've got like a portable generator, when the power goes out, you'll kick on the generator and plug in the essentials to make sure that they stay on, maybe the sub pump, maybe the refrigerator. But all it's doing is keeping you on life support. It's not the place of having power restored. Come on, are you here this morning? See, when you begin to make room for God, I realize we may not be in the position of that first song that we sang, God, I surrender everything. I give you all that I am. You may not be in that position right now to say, God, I'm willing to lay everything on the line. But if you'll simply say, God, I'll make room, he'll come in and you'll begin to experience the power of God starting to transform your life. But you've got to be willing to make room. Once again, to bring your attention to 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse five, it says that there's a sh- that we're shielded by the power of God through your faith for salvation, that is ready to re- be revealed. This power is ready to be revealed. So that tells us that it's not conditional upon God. God's saying, "I'm here. I'm at the door knocking. I've got my power. I'm bringing restoration. I've got the answer." I'm ready to reveal it. But the revealing is dependent upon us. Will I make room? Because if I'll make room, he'll come in and he'll restore. If I'll make room, he'll bring in his power. If I make room, he'll bring his character, his nature, his attributes, his love. And life will begin to change because he says, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to reveal it. In fact, if we look at the Bible, we begin to see those that made room for God, God always showed up in a big way. I'm telling you what, God has never been a God of timidity or just barely get it done kind of thing. God always showed up in grand style. You know, the Bible says this, and we've learned this over the years. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against them. And the way we've always been taught it, or myself for that matter, is when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard. If you know anything about the Bible, when they wrote the Bible, there was no periods, there was no punctuation, there was nothing to define sentence, chapter, paragraph, anything of that nature. But if you begin to look at the character, the nature, the attributes of God, we could really read it this way and it would be accurate. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, God comes in and builds up a standard against him. Amen. See, we've lived this life as though we've got a little tiny God that we serve and we're up against a big foe that just wants to beat us up one side down the other. No, he's already defeated. He's already whooped. He just don't want you to know it. He's already defeated. He's a pipsqueak. The Bible says that we're already victors and we're champions through Christ Jesus. Come on. Again, look at the the character and the nature of God. When when Egypt or when Israel thought that they were up against a dead end, that there was no way to go, Egypt's after nipping at their heels and thinking, this is it. God comes in and he splits the sea. That's pretty cool. The Hebrew boys, they they said, we're not going to bow down to you, king. stoke up the fire seven times hotter come on that's what the devil does to you he says oh you want to make room for god well let me just stoke up the the trial let me just bring a heavier storm come on you you thought that was bad wait till you see this and the bible says that they stoked up the fire seven times hotter and then the king looked in and he says i put three in there but i see a fourth man in the fire see jesus is right with you all the whole time going through every trial every every step of the way and the bible says that they came out and they didn't smell like smoke. Come on. When Jesus showed up, he didn't just show up with this t- in secret. The Bible says that when he showed up, angels sang. Come on, what a sight that would be. Angels sang, Glory to God in the highest. When Jesus was ministering and people made room for him, the one guy says, I can't see. Well, he didn't say, We'll go down to Pearl Vision. I'll buy you some glasses. No, the Bible says that God made, that Jesus made brand new eyeballs, took mud. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Come on. I mean, that's, that's God in a big way. When things were dead, when there was a, a dead man, a dead girl, Jesus came in and says, don't fret, rise up. Whenever there's something that seems dead, God shows up and says, listen, I can turn this around and I can restore it if you'll only make room. Come on, say, I'm making room. (laughs) Remember when the Holy Spirit showed up? Jesus told his disciples, he says, go wait, have a church service, have a Bible study. He says, I'll be there. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit showed up, and man, all of a sudden there was fire sitting on all their heads. Whoa, dude, come on. I'm telling you, God shows up. There's something, or I should say sometimes when there's a power outage, oftentimes we'll look to the storm and say, what storm caused this power outage to be this way? But there are times that it isn't a matter of a storm in your life. Sometimes it's a matter of the breaker not being able to handle the power. You know what I mean? Anybody know what a fuse box is? A fuse box is, well, it's downstairs in our house. The power runs into the fuse box, and then it goes throughout the house. If my wife is in one bathroom and doing the curling iron, and I'm in the uh, curling iron, flat iron, sorry. Flat iron, is that the right terminology? She's doing the flat iron in the one bathroom, and I'm over in the other bathroom using blow dryer. It kicks the breaker. You know why? Because there's too much pull for power and it kicks the breaker. Now here's the thing. There is the breaker in the fuse box, and on the front side of the breaker, there is still just as much power as there ever was. It's either 110 or 220, but there is still the same source of power on that side. But on this side of the breaker, there's too much stuff going on. There's too many things that are making room and having need of the power and because there's too much room on the other side of the breaker, it kicks the breaker. You tracking with me? Oftentimes what happens in our life as a believer is because we got to a place of saying, God, I invited you into my life. But I stopped making room. And now Jesus is on the outside saying, I just want your life to be restored. And we're squalling and bawling and saying, God, where are you? And Jesus is saying, let me in. I want to restore. Make room for me. But our life has given place to so many other things that there's not enough power to handle what we've made room for. And it breaks down. What am I talking about? Well I want. My marriage to be restored. Well have you made room. For God in your marriage. Or have you made room. For that other person's attention. At the workplace. I want my marriage. To be like it was. But you've made room for. The pornography and the. Other room. Now, this is getting sober, I know. And this is by no means bringing condemnation. I'm talking about what are we making room for. I want there to be God. I want God to be in the midst of my finances. I want my financial life to be healthy and restored. But what have we made room for in the area of our finances? I want my kids to know God, but me as a parent, what have I done to make room for God in my kid's life? Well, I just want them to make the choice. Well, if you give them the option to make a choice of what they'll make room for in their life, they will never make room for God. You say, well, how do they make room for God then? You create a disciplined structure in their life so that they know God. What do you mean? Discipline my kid? You mean I'm going to punish them? No, I didn't say punish them. Discipline means Structure. If you don't establish the structure for your children's life and teach them how to make room for God in their life, they never will. Listen to me, mom and dad. Your kids will go to hell because you didn't teach them how to make room in their life. I know that's sober. You might say, dear God, I don't want that to be with this. Make room. Make the choice. And he'll come in and restore. Can you say Amen. Well, I want to know God's voice. Are you making room? I want God to be real in my life. Are you making room? I want to be free from all the substance and the things that seem to have a hook into me. Then make room for God. You mean you want me to give up all the stuff and all the vices and all the habits and all the things that I go to to make me feel better? Don't worry about trying to get rid of them. Just make room for God. God. And it will displace what you've made room for. God makes it easy. If you trust and rely on you, it becomes hard. Are you tracking with me? Like I said, I realize this is a little bit more sober. But I want you to know that the mudslide is coming. It will come. You don't know when the mudslide's coming. But it will come. If you don't purpose, if we don't purpose to allow our relationship with God and give place to where there's deep roots within my life to hold me fixed in the midst of the rain and the storms and all the things that come, the mud is coming. You say, I don't think that could happen. Listen, I have a minister friend. Now, Listen, there is no judgment here at all. I'm just simply sharing with you how slippery the slope is and how it sneaks up on you. This friend has been in ministry for 30 plus years. And there's things that he gave place to, made room for in his life that he did not address or attend. And God spoke to him many times and tried to help him deal with this area of life that he gave room to. But he rejected The help of God. As time continued, he had children. Marriage is now seemingly a mess. The wife goes crazy. Goes out of her mind. Starts running around, running in the bars, dancing on the tables. This is a small town, so everybody knows who she is knows what church she's from, knows who her husband is and she's dancing on the tables having affairs. The oldest boy, hooked on drugs, almost lost his life, almost went to prison and it was only by the grace of God. The other son, homosexual. The one daughter, just 17 years old, still in high school, just had a baby. It's not God's best. And just recently, he lost his job. No longer in ministry. You say, well, it must have been a long time coming. Yeah, but that just shows you the mercy and the grace of God. And there was 30 years of saying, make room, make room, make room, make the adjustment. The mudslide came. And he's lost everything. I'm believing God for a restoration and I know that it will come. I know God will do an amazing work. And I love that brother. I love his family. And so again, please don't hear me saying this from a critical standpoint, I'm simply saying it happens to the best. It happens to preachers. It happens to the individual that don't make room for God. When we make room for God, we make room for the power of God. Amen? Let me close with this. Why don't we stand? I'm referring back to the scripture that I just shared with you in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 who are being protected and shielded by the power of God through your faith and salvation that is ready to be revealed for you in the last time. The power is ready to be revealed. It's just waiting. 2018 is a new year. The last time. Right now. I want you to search your heart and find that thing that you have given place and made room for over God and say, this is the last time. Today, I'm making a choice that this is the last time. And when I say, God, this is the last time, the power is coming to reveal and restore and bring me to the place of restoration that you desire. Amen. Amen. You know what it is. Maybe it's that thought life. Maybe it's that... Backroom computer, maybe it's the addiction that you've had. I don't know what it is, but just say, God, this is the last time. Amen? And that might scare you to say, I've said that before. Just don't quit saying it. If today is the day that you're saying, today is the last time. And you wake up tomorrow and you find that you messed up again. Then you say, tomorrow, today is the last time. And the power of God is there to restore. You might mess up again, but then the next day you get up and you say, this is the last time. And every time you say this is the last time, the power of God is there to restore you. Until you find that you have victory over that which you have said, I will now make room for God in this place. Amen? How many of you want to be free this year and experience the power of God? Oh, God is so faithful. Come on. I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, you find that thing that you say, God, I'm surrendering it to you. I'm now giving you this place. And I want you to restore. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that we say today that thing right there. That thing that has held us up. That thing that has caused us to stumble. That thing that we have given so much room for in our life. God we say this is that last day. You will no longer have control over me I'll no longer give you place God come and fill the void come and fill the place I make room for you right now in that place and thank you God for restoration you're restoring my heart you're restoring uh, uh, peace where there once was fear you're restoring health where there was once hurt God I thank you that you are moving in that place as I make room for you in Jesus mighty name and we all said amen come on